Welcome to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. On this podcast, we journey through the devastating experience of the death of a child. Grief is seldom discussed openly in our culture, and the death of a child makes people feel even more uncomfortable. We approach the topic openly and honestly, speaking to people who have lost loved ones and experts who help care for them. Whether you are a parent experiencing loss or someone who wants to support another going through this tragedy, this podcast strives to offer hope and help. Welcome to episode 190 of Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. I'm Marcy Larson, Andy's Mom. Today's guest, Jimmy, is another one who was referred from a previous guest. So keep those referrals coming. I am just getting some really great parents coming on. And today I've got a dad again, and I just love talking to dads because I feel like they have a little bit of a different perspective than I do as a mom. So there's a lot that I can glean from that and learn. I also want to remind you that our next live stream, the next live stream with Gwen, will be coming up the week after next. So that is Monday, May 15th at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Again, you can go to my Always Andy's Mom Facebook page, to the Always Andy's Mom YouTube channel, or even uh, to Gwen's uh, Facebook page, which is the Grief Guide Facebook page. So during that episode, we are going to talk about resilience and the importance of resilience in your grief. So I'm sure that will be great as all conversations with Gwen are. I just learn so much every single time. So right now, though, I just want you to sit back and enjoy listening to Jimmy, Lee's dad. Thank you so much, Jimmy, for agreeing to come on the Always Andy's Mom podcast today. I'm really looking forward to talking to you. Thank you, Marcy. It's good to be with you today. And I have to tell my listeners, it's been quite the struggle this morning getting on. So I feel like this is really an interview that we must need to do because we had to fight through a bunch of technical obstacles that I have never dealt with before. So I am looking forward to talking to you. And I also want to bring up the fact that you come to the podcast because you know Derek, who was on episode 169 and whoo. His was an episode that was powerful and amazing. So if you haven't listened to Derek, go back. Go back, listen to 169 and listen to him because he had some pretty amazing things to say. But now we get to hear from Jimmy, Derek's friend. So why don't you start out by just telling us a little bit about your son, Lee? Okay, Lee, I always wanted to be a dad Yeah. and look forward. I I have to say this, I had three sisters growing up. I had one older and and two younger. And when both Uh my younger sisters were born, I really wanted a brother. (laughs) (laughs) But I didn't get get a brother. I got sisters. And when I was going to have a child, my wife and I was going to have a child. I I resigned myself to the the fact that I knew I would have a daughter (laughs) instead of a son. But I, I kept hope. And uh, we did pick out a boy name. We picked out Lee Daniel, which was named after me. And that was her maiden name. And then mm-hmm. we picked out a girl named Ruby Anna, 
which would have been after her mother. But when he was born on March the 7th, I didn't know babies took so long to get here. <laughs> we, went, we went early in the morning and, and that night about 842, he came. And back then, you know, we didn't find out what they were. Yeah. So he came out and uh, Dr. Russell said, it's a Lee Daniel. Oh, I can't tell you what I felt. Yeah. And he came and he, you know, he's crying. They, they cleaned him up and they, they handed him to me and he immediately stopped crying. Yeah. He and I enjoyed that type relationship our whole life. We were just close, really close. He was my one that always went with me and stayed with me. Everything that I was doing, he wanted to do. But Marcy, he was, I think words to describe him was just kind, tender, uh, helpful. He, he always wanted to make somebody smile. He was just born that way. I remember when he was maybe three, four years old, I worked at the bank and my wife was a teacher. And so in the summer, he had, you know, back then we learned you could scramble eggs in the microwave and he, he had learned to do that. <laughs> and so he, one morning he scrambled her some eggs and uh, he took oh. them. I brought you breakfast in bed. And you know, <laughs> that, that was just him. If he, if he knew you wanted something, he would yeah. try to do that just to make you smile. He was a good listener to people and a good friend. Several people that he grew up with considered him their best friend because he he was a friend of people and, and loyal. And we had him for 22 years. Yeah. He was a joy every day. He, he always, when I used to drop him at the babysitter or pick him up from church school and drop him. He always, he always wanted a kiss and a hug. Daddy, you give me a kiss and a hug. Really? His whole life. Even as he got bigger. He, he did. He did. Yeah. I remember I, I worked off from home some, and if I was leaving early that morning, daddy, you, you come wake me up and give me a kiss and a hug before you go. I would, and he would wake up and hug me tight and you be careful, daddy. Yeah. Even after he got out of college and, and he was working, he had to leave about 530 every morning. And so he would always give me a kiss and a hug before he left. And I, on October the 2nd, the day he passed away, he, uh, he gave me a kiss and a hug that morning. And uh, I still feel his arm yeah. going on my neck and my neck would be in the crook of his arm. And he, I still feel his whiskers and, see his cap. He said, I love you, daddy. <laughs> so for 22 years, we got a kiss and a hug every morning. And he, he was, like I said, he always, wherever I went, he went if possible. I mean, it sounds, he sounds a lot like my Andy in that way, that he always, always wanted to cuddle and always wanted to hug and always wanted that. And I remember thinking, you better cherish this because mm -hmm. someday he's not going to do it. Someday he's going to feel like he's too old and he's not going to want to cuddle with his mama. Mm -hmm. So I really did cherish it, I think. And yeah. I'm glad I did I really mm -hmm. appreciate it because yeah. then, you know, obviously it all went away, not because he grew up, yeah. but because he didn't.
Yeah. Yeah. I listened to your story and about the picture that he drew you. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I'm going to go all the way up. That That is yeah. a gift from the Lord, but as you yeah. said, it's not something I wanted. No, no, not a gift I wanted at all. Yeah. Well, it sounds like Lee was quite the guy. Well, he, he was to me and, and his mom, and he loved his mother. Yeah. Loved his whole family. He was the first grandchild and the first on both sides, mm-hmm. my side and my wife's side. And so he was he was beloved. All of his aunts and uncles and his cousins, he was really kind to them and played with them. And I remember he would pull them in a, on his little four-wheeler, whatever. You know, he just found some kind of way to play with them. He was the oldest cousin, and they, they all adored him. Mm-hmm. And he he went out of his way just to spend time with them, and he loved them. He loved everybody. He he just loved people. Yeah. Did you have other children after Lee? We I, we we have one son that was four uh-huh. years younger than than mm-hmm. Lee. He has two sons now, so we have two grandchildren. Wow. <laughs> they are such a joy, and you know, I think we appreciate them more. Mm-hmm than we would have and you know marcy i i remember when our oldest grandson jude was born and he he just had his ninth birthday but my wife i took a picture of her when she took him in her arms and she had that sparkle back in her eye that hadn't been there since lee had died oh yeah it was amazing it was amazing just to see that sparkle come back so you know, life <laughs> does get better. There is hope to have joy again yeah. after losing a child. Yep, but it's a tough journey, isn't it? It's a tough journey. Yeah. I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. No. Never. <laughs> never. I wouldn't. Sure would never. Wouldn't want anybody to know that pain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. By far the worst I've ever experienced. Do you want to talk about now what happened to Lee? I, I will. I will. As I said, on the last day of his life, which was October 2nd, 2006, he hugged me that morning, gave me a kiss and a hug as we always did. And he left. I watched him drive off that morning, go out the driveway. And that was normal that I would do that and just watched him drive away and I'm in the ministry. I wasn't a pastor then, but I was working with a mission organization and had taken a job at my church as an assistant pastor. So I was sitting in the chair where I always sit, and I was studying and reading my Bible. A friend of ours called. His son was one of Lee's best friends, and Lee had dated their daughter. Mm-hmm. And so Kevin called me that morning. It was about 7.10, and he said, Jimmy, he said, I heard there was a bad wreck over on Highway 22 at the Red Barn. And he said, I heard Lee was in it. I just wanted to know if he was okay. And I said, no, I've not, I've not heard about it. I'll go find out. And so yeah, that's yeah. what I heard. I got in my truck, and I, and I drove. It was about 15 minutes there. Uh-huh. And when I got there, 
they had the roads blocked and they were detouring traffic. And so I parked my truck and I went to the man uh, whom I knew because we live in a small town, yeah. rural community. We all, if we don't know you, we know about you, you know? Yeah, so, right, right. So the man that was there, uh, I, I asked him, I said, are they alive? Is he alive? And he said, one of them is. It was a two-car accident. So I started running and I ran to, to two men. One was my best friend's brother and another fellow that I knew that worked with the paramedics. And I said, is, is he alive? Matt, my friend's brother, he owned the ambulance service and he just, he just shook his head. <laughs> oh my. And you know, all the, all the strength just leaves your body at that, yeah. that moment yeah. or that second. And they, both of them put their arms around me and held me up. And, you know, I just started weeping loudly. Yeah. They held me for a long time. And I, I told them, I said, y'all just let me go. And uh, I lay uh, in the wet grass <laughs> on yeah. the side of the road and just wailed and, and called his name until there wasn't anything left in me to cry. Yeah. Anymore. And, I, and I got up and we were at the back of the ambulance. So I asked, I asked Matt, I said, can I, can I see him? And he, he said, yes. So I got in the ambulance with him and, uh, he had a, had a bump on his head and it chipped his tooth. What he had done, he had ran off the road and overcorrected and his car slid and a, and a lady T-boned him in the side. And so it, he had a bump on his head and a chipped tooth. I just, I just lay on him. He was still warm uh -huh. and, and cried some more. Yeah. And so then, you know, <laughs> there's things you have to do. I had to go tell my wife. So I got out and, and I said, I got to go tell Sherry. And they offered to drive me. And I said, no, I, I'm okay. But, when I walked down to where my truck was, uh, like I said, she was a teacher and the principal and the vice principal had brought her over and she got there. So she was there. She was there already. And someone else told her or. Well, they, they picked, they brought her from school. They didn't tell her until they no. got. There. Yeah. She said when they were coming over, she, she had said, she said it, it must be bad. They didn't, they didn't tell her that it, it was bad that he was dead. Yeah. So she got there and, you know, he was dead. She, <laughs> she vomited, you know, you know how yeah. traumatic it is. Oh, it's just so horrible. You can't imagine if you have had it happen to you before you, you know, exactly. But yep. so, you know, we, and, and my son, they, I can't remember if, if they brought him or we, I think they, somebody brought him over also anyway. Cause he was like 18. Yeah. He had just yeah. started. He was a freshman uh, in college and yeah. so they, they got a hold of him and brought him. Like I said, we have a junior college in our town and it's a small town. They, they turned college, they closed college that day for that anyway. Yeah. It was it was just a horrific day, and we 
we did. We we went home, and I remember Sherry. I, I was just, you know, laying. One of some of our friends drove us home. Two friends drove us home, and um, she she. I remember she asked them for a Bible, and uh, do you have a Bible? And she, I just lay on the side of the truck, and she she read the Bible uh, to me all the way home. What'd she read? Do you remember? I don't remember. Yeah. I just wondered if you did. When we got home, there were some of our friends had already gotten there and they were waiting for us on the porch and they, they walked down and just, just hugged us. And I remember that they left, they didn't stay. And we went in the house and went back in the, in the bedroom. And, uh, it's the first time we had been alone and, uh, she was saying, what are we going to do? Yeah. And uh, I said, Sherry, I said, uh, the Bible says rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. I said, so we're going we're gonna to rejoice in the Lord and he's going to help us. And so that's, that's, that's what we've done. And, you know, we went through the, the funeral. Like I said, people that day that particular day people started coming by uh, like i said yeah. some were already there and people came by uh, all day long until i would say nine or ten that night yeah the one i had one one of our neighbors he had lost a son in an accident when he was 16 him and a friend was hunting and he was shot and killed and he came sometime that day, and uh, he said to me, Jimmy, I know you can't imagine right now, he said, but God's going to help you. Yeah. And he said, it's, it's not going to be this bad forever. And yeah. I can't tell you how, how much I needed to hear that that day. Yeah. Because you, you think that you can't live. Uh, you don't want to live. Right. Really. And so some other people came by that had lost children, but one, one man in particular, he had, he had lost a son. He stayed until everybody was gone that night. And, uh, he just, you know, he said, I wanted to, I wanted to talk to you. He said, you know, God's going to help you (laughs) and this, you're going to make it. And so people that had, we probably had four or five people that day that had lost children. That's amazing. I can't even believe that. Yeah. Was my greatest encouragement. Yeah. I didn't see anybody else who had lost a child until I, you know, ended up going to a support group. I didn't I just didn't know anybody mm. who had lost a child, really, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was though you know nobody can really nobody if you, if they hadn't lost a child, they they can't relate to you. No. But somebody that has and can tell you that it's possible to get better, (laughs) that was the thing I needed the most. Yeah, right. Because the people that haven't lost a child, if they tell you it's not going to feel this way forever or God's going to help you through or, you know, even any of those things, you can't quite believe them. Like Mm. you want to believe them, but you can't quite believe them because you think, but you haven't been here. So how do you know? But when you have someone who has lived it, mm. 
and gone through it themselves and they tell you it's not going to feel this bad forever, you say, okay. Like they know it really might not be. Now, again, I, I've said before, you always take it when someone else says that you think, okay, then there's a chance, right? You you still might not be completely convinced that it's going to be better, but you think well, if it's better for him, there's a good chance it might be better for me too. And that's better than what I had three minutes ago, right? Because three minutes ago, I thought there was no chance. Yeah, I couldn't even imagine that, but yeah. Those words from him, they, like I said, they did die. I didn't feel better, but I did have hope. Right. I right. think that's so vitally important for people. That That's the only thing that you can have at that moment is just hope. Right. Just a little bit of hope. That you're, you're going to make it. And nobody, nobody wants to live in that condition for, for very long. It's just so devastating. Right. And I didn't want to take my life, but if I could have gone to sleep and not woke up, <laughs> death would have been a welcome sight to me. Yeah. Uh, I would have, it would have been good, I think. I think we all feel that way. And we have a hard time wanting to admit that to other people because then they get scared that we're going to do something. But really, mm. it's just, it just feels like, oh, gosh, wouldn't it be easier to just wake up in heaven? Right. Yeah, to take that heavy weight off of you. Yeah, because it's so heavy. So heavy. It is. It is. Yeah. I, I sometimes now when I hear of people when they lose a child, and I think about that, I, I weep for them because yeah. I know I relate to them and 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 I, I'm weeping for them because of the hurt I know that they feel. It's, it's just, you wish you could just. I do that too. Yeah. I do that too. Yeah. I mean, we, we not too long ago had a, a shooting at Michigan State University, which is close by here. And, you know, I wept for those parents yeah. who lost their kids. I mean, just yesterday I was seeing a patient and the, the girl said she wasn't doing so well because a classmate had had a bad fall over spring break and had died. And immediately I'm thinking about that child's parents. Like, I don't know this kid from anybody, but yet my heart is so broken for this family and what they're going through. Right. Right. I mean, it's just, you just feel it in a so much different way than you did before. When you know, when you know what they're feeling. That That's right. That That's why when, when we hug people, <laughs> yeah, we yeah. know, and you can feel the difference. And yeah. that's what we need to be with those people to have the compassion and, and just the encouragement from that and share and share their burden uh, if, if possible. You know, that's funny that you mentioned the hugging because that means so much. It's got such a dip, different, deeper meaning to me now, a hug. Like if I'm going to hug someone, I'm going to hug someone. Right. So if it's just a superficial social, whatever, I don't even like that. Those <laughs> hugs don't even like, I'd rather you just please don't. Right. <laughs> because that touch and that hug, that's emotional to me. And that means something. And that means I'm, you know, either wanting support from you or wanting to give you support through a hug. It's not 
something to be taken lightly in my mind. <laughs> to have somebody that's that's felt that and knows that it's like I said, it's it's comforting. It's comforting. Um, so yeah. Well, and it's been now sixteen years. It has. It has. And it, it seems like the clock, the days won't go by. But I heard someone say one time about raising kids, uh, the days are short. The days are long and the years are short. And yeah. it's been that way for us with this. Uh, the days sure drag by uh, in the beginning. And they seem <laughs> to last a year. Yeah. But I would say, looking back, the years have been short. I yeah. can't believe it's been 16 years since since he gave me that last hug uh, that morning. And uh, I'm thankful that I can still feel it. Yeah. <laughs> still know it. And I love that you can still feel it. Yeah, I, I can. Like I said, I, I still feel his whiskers sticking, sticking in my face. I see his little, his cap. He loved to wear a cap and he always wore a fish hook stuck in it, you know, <laughs> I, I visualize, I can visualize it that day and remember it. It's burned into my mind. And uh, I can't imagine what it would be like not to remember that. Mm -hmm. I don't, I, you know, I cry when I talk about it, but, but I'm not, I'm not consumed uh, with grief uh, anymore. Yeah. We, we talk about Lee often, especially my wife and I, and in our family, my grandchildren, they, they think they know him. <laughs> Do they? Yeah, they, cause we, I talk about him all the time to them to, we got two little grand boys, one nine and one five. And they, they know Lee, you know, his pictures yeah. is on the, on the wall and they know uncle Lee. And, uh, I tell them what, all stories about Uncle Lee, and they know him from the stories that that we tell them. I love that. Yeah, and so he, you know, he's not there, but he still lives in our house and in our heart. I think that's important for people. Yeah, to heal from it. It's important to me to be able to talk about him and and remember him, and able to do it. My wife when. When I, I talk about him, most of the time she'll she'll tune up, but those aren't bad tears. You know, people worry about making yeah. you cry, but they're not bad tears. <laughs> they're no. they're good tears. So well, especially because I mean, especially when someone else brings them up and you cry, it's just so precious to know that someone else remembered, right? I mean, it is. It is. That's that's the greatest. Yes, it's the best thing you could ever do to me is tell me I was thinking about Lee and I was remembering something that he did or he said. That's why I love to see his friends. Right. Especially now, you know, when you get further out, the further out you get, the less of that you end up getting so it's just a gift when it comes yeah, yeah and it is nice to be able to tell people and when I cry please don't think that is a bad thing it's not it's not especially when the tears are always kind of right there anyway I mean for me obviously you see me crying I cry all the time <laughs> well and you, you see me 16 years later when I'm thinking about 
in the beginning, those those tears. I if I think about the day uh, yeah. when I listened to your story, <laughs> uh, I lamented and and wept loudly. Yeah. Well, they're very similar stories, right? We yeah. have very similar stories. I don't think that will ever go away. No, I don't think so either. Uh, I'm not sure I would want it to. I'm glad to hear you say that because I'm not sure I'd want it to either. Yeah. It was a hard day. Mm. And if I ever can tell about that day without any emotion, I don't know. I don't think I'd be the same person or something. There would be, you know. Yeah, you... uh how long has Andy been gone? Three years? Four and a half. Four and a half. Uh, I, I consider anybody up to five years newly bereaved. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a long journey. I, I had an aunt that lost a son in a, in a car accident, and she was a, a basket case for five years. Yeah. She just one day seemed to seem to be better, but. She never, she never fully recovered from no. that. Yeah. No, and I don't know that any of us really can. We can't be the same person, right? We're not. No, you're not the same person. I'm not the same person. It's funny you call her basket case. I call myself a hot mess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's just what I say. I'm a hot mess, and and yeah. a lot of people think from the outside. Certainly, at times they don't see that. They think I'm doing pretty good because I I'm pretty good at putting on the mask, actually. Yes. And probably, you know, she probably was pretty good at putting on the mask in certain settings as well, but maybe with family, not so much. And, you know, I think when people, when you know people better, you can see that they're not what they used to be or what they can portray to people who don't know them that well. Yeah. You know? Right. Right. You, you definitely won't be the same person ever again, but those characteristics will still be there. It, it, yeah. it, it just changes you so much. Uh -huh. uh, hopefully, hopefully some the better. Uh, right. Right. You're right. I, you're right. I think about myself, you know, I, this was very early when I started doing the podcast, I had interviewed Stephanie. It was like episode two or something way at the beginning. And she talked about going to a retreat for bereaved moms and it was talking about like defining yourself and who you are as a person mm. and I really thought about that and I thought well I take care of people I'm like a caregiver that's what I do right I'm a pediatrician I take care of kids I take care of other people's kids like that's kind of my I did a Stephen ministry at church I just really that's what my being is is to take care of people and then so in this exercise, it was like, well, so now how are you going to do that in your grief? How are you going to bring that grief into who you are as a person? And that's what ended up, it, it was this huge realization because of course I was two episodes in. So I'd already made this decision to start the podcast, although I wasn't sure it was going to go anywhere at that point in time. But I thought, well, that's it. That's how I'm mixing my grief with my desire to care for people because now I have a desire to care for grieving people and a heart to care for grieving people. So that's how those two mixed. So I think that is it is you take who you were as a person and now you see what happens when the grief comes in and when the tragedy comes in and what can come out of it and what you become after that. And hopefully it is 
in some ways a little bit better? I remember Lee had been gone a couple of months and, and I was thinking that I was up early that morning, maybe two o'clock in the morning. And, you know, I'm thinking I'm, I'm not going to make it. <laughs> yeah. I remember praying that morning and I, I said, Lord, I don't think I'm going to make it. I said, you, you're going to, uh, you're going to have to have to help me. And so I, I opened, I opened my Bible that morning and I don't normally start reading. I don't think you just open your Bible and that's God's that you yeah. should read right there. God's about to speak to you. But I, I opened my Bible that day and I had no idea where to start reading. And it was open to Ecclesiastes and chapter seven was right there. And I said, well, I, that looks like a good place to start. So uh, I read that and I wanted to, I wanted to read it this morning. It said that a good reputation is more valuable than more expensive perfume in the same way the day you die is better than the day you were born. It is better to spend more time at funerals than at festivals for you're going to die. And you should think about it while there's still time. And then it says this, Marcy, to, to you and me, sorrow is better than laughter for sadness has a refining influence on us. A wise person thinks much about death while the fool only thinks about having a good time now. Oh, <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. What a gift that was for you mm. in that moment. It, it, it was, and that has carried me many days. In the beginning, when I, I you know, in Psalm 118, it says, oh, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And yeah. I was so joyful before he died. And I, I was determined that Satan was not going to take my joy from me. And, and I listened to the podcast. I think it was Eric's mom, maybe number eight. Uh-huh. Eric had committed suicide. Yeah. And she had been to Rwanda. Yeah. And I, I had been to South Sudan in 2004 and five, and there was genocide there also. And, and I saw those South Sudanese Christians. You couldn't find anybody that hadn't lost family members uh, that were murdered and horrible things. And they had joy. And so along with other people telling me, it's going to be a better day. I saw the joy in them. And so I had hope. Yeah. And, and when I thought that I couldn't make it anymore, I would tell myself, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice yeah. and be glad in it. And I would, I would do my best to choose joy yeah. every day. And I didn't feel joyful, right. but I, I put on my, I put on my, my joy face and I struggled and somehow, some way made it through those hard days in my life, uh, which was every day, every, <laughs> every day then. I always think of that old saying, fake it until you make it. And that's a little bit what you were doing, weren't you? In that, some that, ways, I mean, not totally, but, but you weren't feeling it, but you no. were like, but we, but I need to show it. And I, and until I can believe it, right? Yeah. Until you can. 
Yeah. And, uh, and the other days, and, and you hear people say this, you know, when the wave of grief comes, better to cry and just cry it out. You, you, won't, you won't cry forever. And I always felt better after I cried. So I, I stopped trying to hold back the tears <laughs> and just let them flow. And I, I don't like to cry in front of people a lot. Not, not like you cry when you've lost a child. Yeah. Because you, you know, then you cry in front of anybody. It doesn't oh, matter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't like to cry loudly in front of people. Right. But, but anyway, the lament. That's right. The lament. The lament. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. the right yeah. word for it. The lament. I know. I know. I know. Yeah. But, but it's helpful. Right. It's helpful. So. I, and I love that you're saying both things. So yeah. you're saying you try to look for joy each and every day and try to show a little bit of joy and demonstrate some joy. But you did not do that by stuffing away the grief and holding yourself back from crying. The tears came, the grief came, and you allowed it. Uh, you have to. Yeah. And lament is a gift from God, too. Tears are a gift from God, too. I believe, yes. And that just goes back to that Ecclesiastes verses that you said, too. I mean... You don't always have to be smiling and happy. You can praise God with your tears just as Amen. much as you can. Amen. Your laughter. My aunt, uh, she was so compassionate to me that had lost a son. And she would tell me about God saving our tears in a bottle yeah. <laughs> for us. And, you know, when we get to heaven, you know, scripture, scripture helped us. Uh, I, I do want to share this. Uh, my wife. And we, we grieve differently. Yeah, sure. But but my wife, I, like I would go sit in his room, watch yeah. home videos, or anything like that that helped me feel close to him. But she mm -hmm. she didn't do that. But people that sent cards and we got, I can't tell you how many cards we got. But if there was a scripture verse on there, she printed those off and we put them on our cabinet doors. Uh, and so I counted them. They're still on there 16 years later. And, you know, I think we had 12 different scripture verses on the cabinet doors that we would really? look at and read. Yeah. And uh, everybody that visits our home uh, sees them. But, uh -huh. you know, we we had those verses up there. and Those those helped tremendously also. So, yeah, she and I and I, I heard. I heard not long after after that that a large percentage of parents that lose children uh, wind up divorcing. Mm -hmm. But she and I, we we drew closer together. Yeah, and I think it strengthened our marriage. Yeah, it, it helped more than hurt for sure, and uh, we we really needed each other. I remember Eric and I saying that night, that night when we're still in the hospital with Peter. This will not break us. Mm. Like, this will not break the mm. two of us mm. together. And it's it's a good thing to kind of make that commitment, I think, right away, just knowing that you're going through it together. So you had talked about the fact that you weren't a pastor at the time of Lee's death, but you are now? 
I am. I, I've been pastoring a, I'm a bivocational pastor. I, I'm actually, the definition of a bivocational pastor is you have income from two sources. And when I found that out, I said, well, I'm a tri-vocational pastor. <laughs> now, <laughs> so, uh, but, but I pastor a, a country church. It's in a rural area. Most of the mm-hmm. places in our town, our, our city church only has about 100 people in it. So yeah. our, our, our school in our town is K through 12. We have 400 students, more or less. So I, I've been pastoring the same church for 14 years now. Okay. I went there in 2009 uh, after he died in October mm-hmm. 06. Yeah. I, I think I think they ministered to me more than I ministered to them <laughs> in those days. I was just wondering about that. That's what I was wanting to ask about, about your yeah. kind of your faith journey after mm-hmm. loss and what that kind of looked like and... Because it, I mean, it changed, right? It changed things. I mean, I think some people, it really strengthens their faith. Others, it doesn't change it a lot. There are others that have lost faith that I've even talked to. So, but it changes. I I feel like my relationship with God is different. I feel like in many ways, it's more honest, even than it was before. It feels more personal to me, but that's just me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I've never been, my wife and I, we talked about it the other day. We, we've not been angry with God. I, I had a strong relationship with the Lord. Uh, actually, my dad died uh, when I was, when he was 60. So he died early. Uh-huh. He was nine years old and that did something to me. And I, I was a good church member up to that point, but after after my daddy died because i was lonely because <laughs> my dad and i were we were best friends and and i began to read my bible through that and and got to know god in a really good way mm-hmm. and he had called me into ministry in 2001 uh the lord had had asked me to follow him and and I, I committed to or surrendered to do that. And so I had a good relationship with the Lord, strong relationship with the Lord. And it, when Lee died and I drew closer to him and depended on him, like I said, I, I was not angry with God. I'm not sure all of God's purpose Yeah. in that. I, I believe, I do believe that God works all things together for good for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. That was always my favorite Bible verse before yeah. Andy died, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And from Romans. Uh-huh. Yeah. Romans 8, 28. I hold on to that. And I, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't think that, that God harmed Lee that day. We, yeah. we put on his tombstone. Uh, Sherry heard this on Focus on the Family. They were talking about sudden death. Mm-hmm. And the guy that, that Dr. Dobson was interviewing, he said that that sudden death is like God's kiss upon the soul. That's not in scripture, but we put that yeah. on his put that on his tombstone. Sudden death is God's kiss upon the soul. And so I think God welcomed him home uh, right. that morning. And uh I think he did lead good that day. And he has good purposes and 
And, and I believe this, Marcy. I, I think that God works from an eternal perspective and not an earthly perspective. And God is working to get people into the kingdom of God. And sometimes to get people into the kingdom, he has to allow some things to hurt us as my dad that hurt me. But I look back and I tell God today that, Lord, that sure was hard. But I thank you for it because it, it brought good in my life. And I sought you. And I thought, God, I'm not sure I would have done that had I not lost my dad. So I'm thankful for it. (laughs) I don't want to go through it again. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I'll be, I don't know. (sighs) I I mean, I think too, I, uh, obviously uh, the deaths that I've had in my family have changed me too, for sure. My mom Mm -hmm. and, and Andy, and I'm more accepting of my mom, I guess, in some ways than I'm of Andy. I, have a hard time feeling like I'll ever be able to say thank you (laughs) for that. But I do think that as God was welcoming Andy on the side of the road that day, he was comforting me too, right? He was with both of us. And he was crying with me even as he smiled to Andy. I think so. I think so. Uh I'm with you. I, I don't think I've said thank you, Lord, for taking Lee's life. That yeah. day. I am thankful that he's in safekeeping, and and yeah. and I look forward to seeing him again. And I, I hold on to that that hope tightly. Yeah, it's been a hard road, and and I like I said, I, I've not I've not come to the place where I can say about him as I say about my dad. Uh, Thank you, Lord. That was hard, but it was good. I, I, I've not, I've not felt that yet. Yeah. I'm not sure I will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I was just thinking the same thing. I thought, I'm not sure. I'm not sure you will either. And I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely not sure I will. Yeah. yeah. Definitely not sure I will. But I am more settled with that with my mom, for sure. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I'm good with my dad, and and what what God did with my dad that left such a huge void in my life and and he and I had such big plans (laughs) together I had when Lee was maybe him and Drew were little and I worked in a bank and I I had worked with my dad growing up and we had such a, a good relationship yeah not that he was easy on me but but we had a close relationship and I wanted to to grow up with with my boys yeah. working with them. And so I, I quit my job at the bank and started farming and uh, with my mother and my dad. And, and so Lee was excited about that. I got to tell you this story <laughs> as I talk about him, he was in maybe the, the third or fourth grade and I was going to bail hay this day. And he drew me a picture. He, he drew me a lot of pictures, but he drew a picture of a, of uh, cutting hay and he had a there was a tractor and it was he and I we went to hay field <laughs> baling hay and he wrote on there he said I wish I could go to you go with you today daddy to bale hay and uh, you could pay me a hundred dollars and you would be broke and I would be rich <laughs> <laughs> but he was always just thinking about being with me uh, yeah. one time I we had gone squirrel hunting when he was maybe 
four years old, four or five. And uh, he and his mom were getting me a Father's Day present. He picked out this cup. It had a, it had a, a daddy and his little boy walking, holding hands. And he said, he said, that's you and me going squirrel hunting. <laughs> so he was, he was tender like that and, and kind. And I'll tell you one more story that just, it reflects of who he was when, when daddy died, when Lee was nine and they had a really good relationship with one another. Yeah. And uh, he, he wrote, he didn't ask anybody about doing this. He just did it. But he, he wrote daddy a note and he slipped it in his pocket, in his casket. And yeah. uh, he never told me what he wrote in there. He, he wouldn't tell me, but you know, he's just thoughtful. Yeah. And, and tender and he treasured everything if you gave him a rock he wouldn't say too much about it but he would have it put away in a special place because it would have been a special memory to him yeah that's kind of who he was and uh, i still got a hold of his stuff do you I, I do and uh we left his room like it was until Drew married and uh, we we wound up letting him have most of Lee's furniture bunk beds that that he and Lee had slept on and Drew and yeah. Crosby our grand boys sleep on them now oh that's special we finally have rearranged his room and made a guest room out of it but a lot of things are just like they were when when he left uh, we just hadn't done anything with it because we like to see it like that. And that's just the way that we've done it. I know everybody doesn't do that. No, but, I know. But yeah. you know, I, it's really nice to hear you say that you did, because I think from the outside, a lot of people think that's not good, right? Mm. That you should pack everything up and get rid of it. And I mean, you see me now, you can see me. I'm in Andy's room. Right. That's Andy's little bed. That's where it says Andy. He's got, you know, I've got all his stuff here around me and it's all just sitting just as he is, as he was. I mean, yeah. he's got books sitting on his desk that he had finished reading and it's just, hmm. I mean, I cleaned it up obviously cause he left it in a mess, but you know, yeah. it's, that's well, what we do and that's what feels right to me. And now it feels right to do the podcast in hmm. here because yeah. I feel close to him and and that's okay and that's okay it is okay that's a that's a gift and I love it that you you do that and what comfort I know it brings comfort to you it does at first it was really painful but mm. after you know it took a long time for me to want to do that but now that I have it just feels right yeah, just I'm, feels I'm, right. I'm thankful I can see it. <laughs> I know, and I love being able to look in the Zoom camera, and and every single interview I do, and to see his stuff behind me. I love that his baseball caps and the bat that he has that's hanging behind me was his grandpa's bat when he was a kid, and just you know the ball that's up there is one that he caught at a Whitecaps game, and he he died on his way to the Whitecaps game. Okay. So, Wow. I mean, it's just, there's a lot here. There's a lot here. Yeah. 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 
I'm glad you told me that. I, I, I should have figured that out <laughs> on my own. But. Well, and for anyone who is not, who's just listening and not watching the video, you can go to any of my video clips on Instagram or there are some on Facebook through the week and you'll be able to see kind of some of the things I'm talking about, certainly on any of those video clips. So you can, anyway, I'm always Andy's mom on Instagram and Facebook. You can go to the YouTube channel too and watch the, all of the interviews from beginning to end but i i never think that's that interesting i mean people want to do that and then they can see us all but yeah well i just want to thank you so much jimmy it was just great to talk to you i loved hearing about lee and i love hearing about your perspective are there any other closing words you feel like you wanted to say i just always you know as i talked my heart is to help people. I don't want to just say to people, you know, that there, there's hope for joy in your life again, and hold on to that. It, it, it doesn't come quickly. I would say, as you and I talked, tears are good. When the wave of grief rolls in, cry. You won't cry forever. It has helped us to remember Lee and to talk about Lee, and he stays with us that way. But hold on to hope they'll don't give up and as i hear your other podcasts say just you got to get through the day in the beginning it's just a day at the time even even a moment at the time that's right you just got to survive yeah. right now but there can be true joy in your life again and don't don't give up on that <laughs> but you got to make it through the hard stuff and it'll there, there, there's hope for a better day and, and a good life again. It it won't be the same, but it no. can be really good. And uh, oh. if you're down the road, help somebody that needs help right yeah. now. There, there's, I never noticed how many people's children died until it happened to me. Yeah. Happens every day. It sure does. I'm thankful for those that reached out to us and helped us. Yeah. Hold on to hope. Give hope. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Marcy. I, I thank you for what you do. Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful or would like to support the podcast, please leave a five-star rating and comment. To help financially, you can text Andy's Mom to the number 53555 or visit the donate page on andysmom.com. Your donations are secure and tax-deductible, and we are now able to accept Venmo, PayPal, and Apple Pay. Always Andy's Mom is a registered 501c3 organization and can receive donations through smile.amazon.com, Thrive in Financial, and Benevity, amongst others. Marcy loves hearing from listeners. Please feel free to reach out to her via email at marcy at Also, be sure to sign up for the email list to receive weekly updates as well as pictures of all of Marcy's guests and their children. Together, let's work to inspire hope one day at a time.